bit out of practice in this space, family. Very out of practice <laughs> in this space. We're going to leave that down low in the lowly places. Amen. No, I'm, yeah, I'm good. Oh, thank you, Pastor. Yes. God makes a way out of nowhere. Hey, always. Amen. Thank you. I give God thanks and praise. Our scripture this morning comes from Luke chapter 1, and it's verses 46 through 55. I will take a brief pause in the reading of this scripture, but I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, and it reads as follows. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he, we pause here, the word he here is a pronoun that in the original text is defined from a word autos, which actually can be translated into any of the pronouns. He, she, it, and by extension from where we live today, they. So I just need to say that today we will be using these interchangeably to um, speak to the vastness of God's identity and not to the subdued nature that historically we have been relegated to. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for God has looked with favor on the lowly state of God's servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. Indeed, God's mercy is for those who fear God from generation to generation. God has shown strength with God's arm, and God has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has come to the aid of God's child Israel in remembrance of God's mercy, according to the promise God made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's bow forward of prayer. Gracious God, pull our minds in from all of the chaotic places they may find themselves to be. Silence the voices within us that we may be more keen to the sound of your voice. Speak in spite of us, Speak in spite of me. And may the words that are spoken in this space transcend the limitations of language and literally pierce our spirits, our souls, impact our bodies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I can remember the very first time I convinced my mama to buy me a pair of Sunday shoes that were strapless and had a little heel to them. We bought them at Value City in that, y'all up, oh, somebody remember Value City. We bought them at Value City in Danville, Virginia, and you all, I could not wait. As soon as I got in the car, I took off my sandals, I put on my new shoes, I strapped myself in, I crossed my legs, and I watched my shoes the whole way home as I swung my legs. 
felt so grown until I wore them to church. <laughs> I found out very quickly that first Sunday that I wore them to church why most of the women who wore heels in church were barefoot midway through the service. I realized why heels were kicked off before the shout came. And by the time I got in the car, I was in such excruciating pain that the relief of taking those bad jammers off my feet, it was like when the fan first hits your face when you're sweaty, right? It was, it's like those first few seconds when you make it to the bathroom and you've held it way past your toleration. Y'all know, y'all know, right? It's, it, it changes your whole body and disposition, right? It's the relief, right? I believe relief is probably one of the most common and underrated forms of pleasure that we experience on a daily basis. Relief. A word that probably does not adequately satisfy how we feel in those moments. In those moments where somebody finally understands our pain and cares enough to try to alleviate it. Those moments where finally we find the exactly right regimen that we need to be healed of our depression and our anxiety. Those moments when what we've waited so long for that we needed came. It is relief, because relief births hope. And that is what I try to remember time and time again, y'all, when I am so exhausted, so weary, right? So angry as I watch the worst parts of this world not decline, but escalate. As I watch this world that seems so out of control seem to get more and more out of control. Mary wasn't just ecstatic. I mean, who wouldn't be, right, at being gifted with the honor of literally growing the human body of the Savior of the world, right? Of course, that is overwhelmingly an amazing thing, as Pastor Lisa shared with us last week. But as I read this passage and as I sat with it, and as I really dug deep, there's more here that we need to name. There's more that we need to see. Something about her words says something about how she saw herself before this moment. Says something about how she was holding the harsh realities of her life before this moment that illuminates, that makes greater this song of praise that we often refer to in the Christian calendar as the Magnificat. She says for it, my soul magnifies the Lord, right? And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For God has looked on me with favor, preference, right? and has done so in the fact that, there, that this servant who is of lowly state, <laughs> right, is the one that is before God. Now we usually look at the words lowly state and we usually think, oh, she's so humble, 
But lowly state means more than just humble. Lowly state actually in this text means humiliation. It means spiritual abasement. It means degradation. You are those who consider themselves of lowly state, lowly coming from the word meaning depressed, were those who considered themselves of moral littleness. And what is moral? Moral is the difference between good and bad. What are we seeing? In case you're not tracking me, we are hearing the words of a 13, 14-ish year old girl say that in essence, before this moment, I was steeped in shame. You see, shame does not say a bad thing happened to me. Shame doesn't just say I maybe even did a bad thing. Shame says because of my circumstances and the ways in which I have experienced this world, I am bad. I am not of any worth. Shame adds an almost unbearable burden on top of a very harsh reality. And she was sitting in a harsh reality. She was a teen and she was economically poor. And she was from the hood, literally. She was saying, you all, if we reread this passage with this interpretation, it reads like this. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit, which was abased, now rejoices in God my Savior, for God has looked with favor and preference on the shameful and depressed circumstance of God's servant. We are hearing in her words the relief that the ways in which I have experienced things in this world, my circumstances have not actually meant that I am what I feel like. This is the moment she realized God has not pushed me aside. This is the moment that she realized, no, God sees me as worthy. This is the moment she realizes that my worst fears are not true. This is her song of praise. It is relief that an honor so great could come to me. She is casting off, dissolving shame internally. And then look at what she says next. And from now on, generation after generation. From now on, y'all, meaning forever. This isn't one momentary, temporary thing. No, uh -uh, I'm going to have this baby one day, but guess what's not going to come back? <laughs> right? From generation to generation, forever, they will call me blessed. Blessed means to be able to access the benefits and the privileges that come literally from the hand of God. Forever, y'all, as we stand here now, years later, thousands of years later, proclaiming what? Whew, she is blessed. It's not temporary. This wasn't something that just happened in the moment. It's forever. And here's the gift of it, y'all. The gift of it is that Mary was not asked to birth 
a gift for the entire world before she was first blessed with that gift herself. Do you hear me? She was not asked to give something to the entire world without first having access to it herself. She was literally the temple of the Lord. How does this illuminate for us? First Corinthians that says, do you not know, meaning us, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That here, Mary stands as witness for us what it means when we say yes to God inhabiting us fully, not just in our minds, not just in our spirits, but in our bodies. And then we see that this legacy isn't just for her. It's not just hers, right? Something happens internally, but it has external implications, right? We actually see signs that, no, it, it actually stuck with her personally. How do we see this? Well, I am, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm married, right? Dedrick, sitting right there. And... I have been chuckling for the last couple of months as I watch and listen to Dedrick interact with our son because the way he uses literally the word son sounds just like his daddy. <laughs> he will say, well, you know, it, the world just doesn't work like that, son. I'll be like, man, you sound like Mr. B. <laughs> you know? Or oh, son, you know, Chauncey ain't working today. You got to clean up after yourself. Who is Chauncey? Chauncey is our imaginary, non-existent butler. <laughs> Co-trainers say, who is Chauncey? Chauncey's our butler. We ain't got no butler. Exactly. <laughs> clean up, son. <laughs> we all have memories of that moment where we caught ourselves saying a thing or doing a thing. Just like a parent or an elder in our life, we'd be like, ooh, eesh, I done became my mama, I done became my daddy. <laughs> Just like my grandmama, right? Well, last week, Pastor Lisa pointed us towards evidence of the ways in which Elizabeth and Mary, as the mothers of Jesus and John, had influence over their life. And I believe we see influence of this also continuing in our passage this week. Hebrews 12 and 2 says this, says that Jesus endured the pain of the cross, but did what? Scorned or despised the shame of it. What does it mean for him to have been raised by a mother who through this experience of honor had developed a practice of resisting the shame of the world? So much so that when he faced his most traumatic and potentially shame-inducing moment of his life, he said, no, I despise it. I scorn it. I will not receive it. Y'all, God is not going to ask us to do a thing for somebody else. God has not first done for us. And so as she's moving, I think it's important to remember, though, 
that just because she's honored, it doesn't mean that her external circumstances have changed. Because they haven't. She's still poor. She's still single, not yet married, going through this struggle of whether or not her fiance is going to cast her off. Right? She's still a teenager. She's a baby in our eyes. It's probably more like grown then. <laughs> we raise our kids differently these days. But the internal change had external implications. Her individual experience was translated into a communal experience. So no, her circumstances did not change, but the way she viewed the world beyond her did. Because the healing of relief within her that allowed her to cast off shame created hope for what she felt was possible in the world. So let's sit here for just a minute. According to National Geographic, the lowest point on earth is a place called the Challenger's Deep. It's in the Mariana Trench, okay? And the Challenger's Deep from the ocean surface to the bottom of the trench is about 200 miles. Y'all, that's the distance between here and Hampton, Virginia. We could set Mount Everest, the tallest mountain above sea level, into the Challenger's Deep, and it would still have a little over a mile above its peak. That's how deep this is, okay? And what we've discovered about the Challenger's Deep is that it is in perpetual darkness. Now, I'm going to pause here again because I want to give a caveat about darkness and light. I don't necessarily see darkness in and of itself as a bad thing. We have to be very careful about these polarized view of good and bad, right? Dark and light. I mean, y'all, we know a lot of dark things are good. I mean, shoot, the darker the berry, hey, Rodney, the sweeter the juice. Don't play. Y'all know it's true. You ain't never had no blackberry that's sweet. Somebody's better say amen up in here. Yes. Life as we know it is formed and grown in the darkness of a mother's womb. We all need sleep to maintain our health, and we now know that sleep is best done in a dark room. No, darkness and light has the capacity to be both good and bad. Now, with that caveat aside, I'll simply say that this trench is cloaked in perpetual darkness, and it's cold, okay? It's so far from the light of the sun in the Earth's basin that it is only a couple of degrees above freezing. Okay, and the pressure, because it's so far deep, the pressure, you all, is eight tons per square inch, not mile, inch. That is more than a thousand times the pressure at sea level, atmospheric sea level, okay? This is a harsh place. So much so that scientists for a long time was asking the question, can there be life in the challenges deep? Well, they thought, of course not. 
Why? Because if fish existed there, the vertebrae of the fish would be crushed under the pressure and the weight of all of the water, right? Because it's so far down. Well, in the 1960s, some explorers, because you know, some explorers just, you know, they just got to go where they probably shouldn't go. <laughs> like, why? You don't have enough challenge in your life. I can give you some challenging things, right? They make this journey down to the Challenger's Deep, and when they get to the bottom where they can only stay for a few moments because the pressure is too great, they use a floodlight to illuminate the bottom, and there they find a flatfish. The National Geographic article that I was reading said this. They said that nature has often proven scientists wrong with its amazing ability for adaptation. That you all, in the harshest place on earth, there is life. Let's not take this for granted. That Mary was expressing that she lived in a very harsh reality, but in this moment of praise, in this moment of honoring, in this moment of gifting, she was saying, I have found life amid the harshest realities possible. And if God can do this for me, what in the world can God do all out there? She was making these correlations of what was happening internally, something that she never thought was possible. Now, all of a sudden, it's possible. As a matter of fact, she calls God the Mighty One, and this is what the Mighty One is, the one who is of things possible. That's what Mighty One is translated as. Now, hear her words. I want you to hear how relief is now becoming hope. I want you to hear her words. He, meaning God, has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. She, meaning God, has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. They, meaning God, have come to the aid of their child Israel in remembrance of their mercy. There are so many things about this world that are unknown, but y'all, hope lives in the unknown. And I'm very well aware of the fact that when we are in a season of waiting, the most difficult part of waiting is not knowing whether or not what we genuinely hope for can be. But this is a moment, Mary's moment, is a moment where I believe Reverend Joanne Jennings would call uh, the gift of a tangible, it's a tangible gift that reveals that God can. If God can do this in me, then God can do that. And Mary takes it a step further, y'all. She doesn't just say God can. She says God has. This is so overwhelming for her. This is so great. The casting off of such a low place is so great for her that what is not already is. She says God has brought down the powerful. God has filled the hungry. God has come to the aid of Israel. God has. Where in your waiting space do you need to believe that God already has? God has. Y'all, this world is hard. <laughs> 
Life is hard, and yes, it is harder for some than others, but it's hard nonetheless. But I think it's important for us to remember that the pain that we endure in this life is not justified. It is not justified. Rather, the pain that we endure that is beyond our control, the pain that we endure that we cannot walk away from, God intends to ensure that it is not in vain. That when we choose to fight for justice on our behalf and on the behalf of others, it is not in vain. When we choose every morning to get up and to face the good things in life, it is not in vain. When we choose to fortify our faith, it is not in vain. Her individual experience became a communal blessing. You all, Advent is the proof of this. It is the proof of this, that Jesus, Jesus literally entered the world at the harshest place, into the harshest reality, so that all of us, without exception, would always know that life can be found even amid the harshest places. That Jesus, Jesus, who wasn't just born under the stigma of his mother's circumstances, Jesus. You all, Challenger's Deep is the lowest place on earth, but do you know where the lowest land place is? The Dead Sea, right off the coast of Israel, Jesus' home place. So he wasn't just born to the socially lowest place in earth. As if to prove the point, God says, no, you're also going to be born geographically in the lowest place on earth. And if you still didn't get it, I'm not going to allow you to grow up in the palace in Israel. You're going to grow up in Nazareth, the lowest of communities in Israel. I want no one, no one to think, no one to think that they are not going to be given access to the relief and to the hope that salvation brings without exception. <laughs> Jesus makes his home in the lowest of lowest places. And it is in this reality it is in this place that I believe Mary spoke these words of praise. I believe it is in the midst of what she felt was impossible that makes this reality, the casting off of shame, the choosing of her particularly, almost just as much of a miracle as the Immaculate Conception was. And so these are the words of Mary. These are the words that forms for us the first lines in the lyrics of a waiting hymn of relief and hope in a world that seems to be more and more out of control. In the name of all that is good and right and just, in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen.